We've got a guy that's in like every Hall of Fame walking over to the table. Oh yeah, this is a a guy, and um, I just shared a story with him, man. He didn't. I told me he didn't remember because I hate when people walk up to me and say, "Man, I remember when we." And you'd be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I just did so this. I people. was like, "So I rem- I did an interview with you like oh, ten so, years so ago." Two remember yeah. stories, right? He's probably like, "Jeez, <laughs> these yeah. these three HL fools." Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey man, a, a real guy, man, genuine all the way through. So enjoying. I'm going to enjoy this right here. And Warren. here he is. Yeah, Warren Moon joins us uh, live on Radio Row. Warren, what's up? How are you, man? I am doing great, man. Just. Uh, Enjoying all this Radio Row again in Super Bowl. I've done a, a million of these things, and they're different every year. Every every different location is a little bit different. This one's a little bit more compacted. I like this. I like it better than some of the other ones. Obviously, uh, you had an unbelievable career. Um, in every Hall of Fame, I like to say, college football, <laughs> CFL, the NFL. Um, that just means I'm old. So <laughs> I've been through every league. Exactly. <laughs> when I was when I was a kid, we moved to Houston in in uh, the early '80s, and so I became an Oilers fan. And and so to sit here and talk with you is 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 an honor for me. But well, thank you. Do do you do you find that Titans fans that recognize you, um, despite the fact that you didn't play for that part of the organization, do, do they reach out warmly to you too? You know, it, it's been good. I I. Um... I always had mixed feelings. Remember when I I came there, I think it was right after I retired. They they uh, retired my number. And yeah. All my records and everything and my history are with the Titans now. So I remember addressing the crowd at halftime during the during the the uh, ceremony, and I'm saying thank you to all these people that probably have never seen me play in person before. You know, so it was a, a really different feeling for me. Because uh, here I am, I got my number retired in a jersey that I had never I'd never played in that stadium before. But that's kind of what happens with big business in football. As teams move around, their history moves around with it. And uh, that's kind of part of my history. How many Grey Cups did you win? Like six? We Is won five the... in a row, believe it or not. Five in a row. Yeah. So uh, to think about your career, I mean – that is an unbelievable thing that you played basically an entire career in Canada and yeah. then came down here yeah. and, and had another one. And that was, uh, that was something I had to think about when I first came down um, on my decision to go where I wanted to play because I had already played six years. And I didn't know how much longer I was going to be able to play. I said, okay, if I sign a five-year deal, that's 11 years in yeah. career. That's a long time back in those days. You know, the, the players are playing longer today because of uh, the rule changes and just the way people can take care of their bodies and all those different things. But uh, I didn't know how much longer I was going to play. So that had a lot to do with my decision on where I was going to go financially because I wanted to get the most I could financially out of the deal, but also play for an organization where I felt like I had a chance to win. So how did it come down that it, it I don't remember. How did yeah. it come down that you ended up in Houston? Well, it came down to Seattle and Houston. Seattle okay. is where I was living in the off season, where I went to school at the University of Washington. So my wife really wanted to be there, and I kind of wanted to be there too. Chuck Knox was the coach at the time, and I had followed him when I was growing up in L.A. as a as a Rams fan because he was the coach of the Rams. Uh, but then the uh, Houston Oilers had hired my Canadian League coach, Hugh Campbell, as their head coach. And they were giving me the best financial offer, too, as well. So well, I was going to be that. the highest-paid player in the league, and I had my coach from Canada. I'm like, this is probably where I'm going to go play, even though I knew I was going to an organization where they had only won two games the year before. You know, They were 2-14, and 14, and we're gonna, we were going to have some building. It was going to be some lean years. So that happened, but we finally got things turned around in year three, went to the playoffs, and became a perennial playoff team after that. Talk about that a little bit, just knowing you're going to a team, because you look at the Bengals, right? And you look at what they've been able to do with Joe Burrow and and all of that. But the mindset of walking into a team knowing that they haven't been successful and knowing that you're in 
the position of quarterback where you can help to change that. What yeah. is that mindset? Well, I, I kind of another reason why that situation made sense is I went through the same thing uh, in college when I went to the University of Washington. They were two and nine the year before I went there. I was I went there in Don James's first recruiting class, so I knew it was going to take some time for us to turn that thing around too because you had to get the right athletes in there over a period of time. And we ended up going to the Rose Bowl in my senior year, so. Uh, I had been through it before, and I felt like, okay, I can do it again at the, at the pro level, and we'll see what happens. And, and that, that's kind of the mindset I came in there with, that I had already been through that rebuilding. And I, and I felt like, okay, it's going to be some lean years. It's going to be some unhappy people. It's going to be a lot of unhappy people with me. Some of it's going to be nasty and racial and all those different things combined. But I've dealt with it already as an 18, 19-year-old. Yeah. I think I can deal with it now as a, a 26, 27-year-old. Right. Because a black guy can't play quarterback, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only, the only problem was at this time I had three kids at the time. So yeah. it wasn't like just me dealing with that stuff by myself. Now my kids had to deal with a lot of that nastiness too. So that was the toughest part of it. How well, much do you, yeah, go ahead. How much do you get to reach back and also help these quarterbacks that are coming out now, you know, with you being away from the game and in this world that you are now, being able to be able to tap back into those guys and – yeah, I've, of- I've tried to have relationships with a lot of these young guys, and, yeah. and you know they have so many people around them now, as far right. as their agents and handlers and their uncle, mm-hmm. their uncle Jim, yeah. and every, everybody in <laughs> their family. Uncle, yeah, yeah, they all they all know more about <laughs> what they should be doing than somebody that's already right. played the game, but. Um, I always let these guys know when I meet them. You know, I'm always available to you. Here's my number. If you want to contact me at any time, feel free. I send them texts more than anything else just right. to let them know I'm thinking about them or if they have a bad game or whatever, uh, just to know that they have that support there. So I'm more of a, uh, a sounding board than anything else to a lot of guys that I've had relationships with. We, the game, and I know you probably get asked this all the time, but it, you mentioned a little bit, you know, oh, they can play longer, the rules have changed, yeah. you know, quarterback doesn't get hit nowadays. <laughs> Not know. much. Can you imagine? Right. right. <laughs> but oh what are your thoughts on on how the game has evolved and changed? Well, I, I like what they've done because uh, the quarterback is such a vital part of, uh, of any football team that if you lose one of those guys – your season's pretty much over. You know, there's not a lot of backups taking the team to a Super Bowl. So um, I understand why they're trying to protect the quarterback. I understand why they're trying to protect all the players as far as taking the head out of the game uh, because of CTE and all the different things with head injuries. So that part of it I, I really agree with. But uh, it's not the same game as it was. It's yeah. not the same physical game that, than when I played, I don't think. Uh, but it's still physical. There's no question about it. It's still a, a contact game. It's still a, and it's a much. It seems like a much faster game now than than when I played. But um, I like I like what they're doing. They're throwing the ball all around. This would be right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. 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 If I was playing right now, I would love it. Hey, um, would Jeffries Ernest give yeah, all those and, guys? And, you know, they around. talked about our run and shoot back in the day. Yeah. That it was like a gimmick. But now everybody's doing the same thing yeah. that that we were doing back then, and uh, we were doing the. You know, the the back shoulder throws, all that stuff we were doing back in 1990. But everybody's uh, progressing off of it now and, and having a lot of success doing all those same things. Hall of Famer Warren Moon with us on 3HL. So uh, uh, Coach Dave McGinnis uh, does work with Titans Radio and, and does work with us. We were standing on the field one day, and, and he was talking about you and, and your arm. And he was talking about live arms in the NFL, but he, he mentioned you specifically, and he said, 
He threw piss missiles. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I've heard, I've heard a lot of explanations for my past as a piss missile. I don't missile. know. That, that needs to be on the Wikipedia page, right? <laughs> on his own Dave Max Wikipedia page. Yeah, maybe on the back it's of It's like that. the oh best compliment God. ever is how I take it. Well, he threw piss missiles. I think it's good. Yeah. Well, so Blaine, Blaine Bishop works on our station, yeah. and, and he said when he got to the Oilers, he said he had never seen anything like it. He said you could hear his ball flowing through the air. Like, yeah, yeah. A lot of work with it. Could you always <laughs> throw it hard? Like, did you always have that kind of arm? You said a lot I, you of work know, went into I it. had, um, I always had the arm, and that was one of the things when I came out of college. They wanted to change my positions, and one of the things they would say, he didn't have enough arm strength. You oh, know? my wow. I was like, what? Arm oh, wow. strength? That, <laughs> that might be the one only thing I do have. <laughs> Coach, I got piss uh, missiles coming. <laughs> but they wanted to put me at a defensive back or wide receiver. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I'm not that fast. I'm not that athletic. I'm a good athlete for, for quarterback, but I'm not a great athlete that can go out there on a corner and cover one of these receivers or, <laughs> yeah. or, or run a route, you know. So I just knew it was all a bunch of crap, and uh, I, just, I knew it was going to be tough for me to – to make it at that position, that was one of the reasons why I chose to go to Canada because I didn't want my position changed, and I knew I could play the position at a very high level. It was just a matter of being given the opportunity. And um, um, one of the reasons I came back to play in the NFL because I thought I was going to play my whole career up there. I enjoyed it that much. Really? Um, I still wanted to know how good a quarterback I could be. And, and the only way you can judge yourself is to play against the best. So that's what brought me back to the league. It wasn't the money. It wasn't anything like that. It was how good am I? How, how much do you guys get in your era that, that I, I like to say golden era, especially for the black athlete, The you, you ushered in so many younger guys thinking they could play because it wasn't about, man, look how big and diesel he is. Right. And the weights wasn't about. It was the heart and, and what you could get out there and do and get the job done. How much do you look back on it and these, these younger guys pay homage to you guys? Yeah, one of the most proudest things I am of my whole career was that Myself, Randall Cunningham, mm-hmm. Doug Williams winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. When we played during that 80s, 90s time, um, we were able to make change at that position, at the most critical position, I think, in all of team Sport. sports. Yeah. Right? You know? I'm with you. Uh, quarterback is not only a leader on the field, he's a leader of the organization. Yeah. He's a leader in the city. He can be a leader in the state. He can be a leader all across the country. That's how much uh, – that's how much he can be a, a leader as far as that position is concerned. So uh, for me to be able to help make that change at that position and, and create so many more opportunities for young people because we open the eyes of all these owners and general managers, that's something I'm really, really proud of. And I stick my chest out every time I see a, a Patrick Mahomes or a Russell Wilson or a Dak Prescott. and These guys are being highest-paid players in the league. Right. There's number one overall picks in the draft. They're highly endorsed. And more importantly, they're using their name in a positive way as far as social change and different things like that. So that's something I'm proud of. Warren Moon with us on 3HL, so creating opportunities. How do we do that for, for, for black head coaches in the NFL? Wow. Because the Rooney Rule... I think we have and to take a gun and put an it issue? to these owners' heads and say, look, if you don't hire yeah. an African-American, <laughs> I'm pulling the trigger. No, it, it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost that drastic. You know, what, yeah. what do you do? I mean, they've tried to do everything. They've tried to offer draft picks and incentives and different things like that. And it's not like these guys aren't qualified. I mean, an Eric Bieniemy, he's been on this sidelines for four years as one of the top offenses in the league. He's the play caller. You know, Andy Reid is not the play caller. You look at Byron Leftwich, what he's done the last couple yeah. of years in Tampa. Um, 
Todd Bowles. He's yeah. been a head coach before with his defense. I mean, I don't even have to name all their qualifications. These guys are ready to be head coaches or have already been head coaches. Why they don't have the jobs? It's it. Yeah. I, I just I just don't I just think it's disgraceful. Disgraceful. Eric Bieniemy, fifteen interviews. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're looking for. And I think don't that's tell the thing. me they don't. He doesn't interview well. I mean, what, <laughs> what, what, I mean, what does he need to do? Yeah. You know? He just needs to show you what his football acclimate is and can he lead men. And if you talk to his players, they will tell you he's one of the most inspirational players in that in that uh, organization. You think part of it has to do with how talented that people are like, oh, but look at his quarterback. You know, how yeah. talented his quarterback is. And, and we all know, though, it, sometimes it doesn't matter how talented your players are if, if – the coaching is not right in exactly. there. Exactly. You have to develop those players, too. You yeah. know, he was a rookie at one time just like everybody else, and he'll tell you he's gotten better every year, and one of the reasons he's gotten better is because of his coaching. So uh, they took this raw piece of clay that, that Patrick was because he was just a guy that ran around through the football in college. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of success, but but they um, they – Focused him, focused him in on what he needed to get good at and what he needed to learn, and they developed him. And you see what he is. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football. And it's the same thing all the other places where they've had, like Byron Leftwich. Okay, he had Tom Brady. Who couldn't coach Tom Brady? But he did a great job when he was with uh, the Arizona Cardinals, too, when he was with uh, Bruce Arians. So I don't know. Everybody's going to have an excuse why a guy uh, isn't going to get hired or not. Those are just excuses. It's just like people saying I didn't have a strong enough arm when I came out of college. Yeah. <laughs> well, excuses. One, one more I've always wanted to ask you about. Um, what was your relationship with Buddy Ryan like? And and can you walk us through what happened on the sideline with him and Kevin Gilbride <laughs> that day? Like, I mean, me and Buddy always got along. Did we, you? We were we were we were good. But Kevin and Buddy had a rivalry that started way back in our training camp because when you in training camp, all you're going against is each other, right? And Buddy had never really gone against the run and shoot before with his with his defense, his 46, 46 defense. Yeah. So when we spread that defense out and started running all these routes, and he's got three linebackers on the field in a 46 defense, they didn't know how to cover us. So it almost became a keeping score every day who was winning, you know. And <laughs> and it shouldn't have been that way. And, and Jack Pardee probably should have should have uh, cut that off in training camp, but he didn't, and it became a us against them. And we had offensive linemen fighting defensive linemen. We had coaches argue so it finally came to a boiling point in that one game where uh i wasn't even playing that game i think i had hurt my ribs and oh, cody okay. carlson was playing oh, okay and um uh, i was on the sideline right by buddy and kevin right so so you're in the video <laughs> so we get the ball back we go back on the field like a minute and 41 seconds left in the half and instead of us running the clock out buddy thought we should have ran the football so but kevin called another pass and cody threw a pick right and so now his defense has got to go back on the field for the last half, last minute of the half, and he was pissed off. And that's when he, he turned around and called him a name and said, "You stupid son, you know what, son of a whatever," and, and took a swing at him. And I was standing right there. I said, "It's finally happened. It finally, it finally <laughs> came to a head." You know, and they pulled everybody back, and and that was about the end of it. But yeah, it did catch a lot of attention. 
uh, for that one so particular game. What was halftime like then? Like, was it just? It was very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it was so very quiet. So funny. Well, hey, appreciate it, man. We yeah, we covered some definitely. topics. Uh, really appreciate the time. Yeah, man. my Always pleasure. Good to see you. Thanks yeah. for having me on, guys. Yeah, right. Is this All the right. best it's uniform ever? Uh, unbelievable, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's not the most. It's not the most intimidating color, but it's a good looking <laughs> uniform. We, oh. When we came out the tunnel, we didn't intimidate anybody in that powder blue. Love your blue <laughs> Oilers. Uh, they Beautiful. Twenty twenty three. They're, yeah. they're gonna pull yeah. it out. Bring it back, baby. All right, let's go back. Titans, right? Yeah, let's yeah, go Titans. Yeah, there you go. Warren Moon at W Moon one on Twitter.